Man. Um, the victory for Christ, um, what He won for you is just as sufficient for you today as it was when you first believed. Um, think about that. What, what, a great, what a great grace. Well, welcome to Safe Haven. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I guess I should say this. Welcome to half of Safe Haven. Um, as we were talking earlier, we got slim pickings up in this mug today. But uh, by God's grace, the Lord is amongst us and, and we will gather and worship. Uh, so, so here's the deal. We, we are doing a little mini-series this January, G4 series, where we're looking at what does it mean to be a part of Safe Haven Church. That's what this little mini-series is all about. And so there's a twofold reason why we're doing that. Tyler alluded to one just a second ago. We're doing this series for everybody who is a covenant partner to be reminded of, like, who are we? Are we just a church that gathers, or, or is there purpose behind our gathering? And so we're being reminded of what does it mean to be a member of Safe Haven Church, which will culminate with a reaffirmation. And as Tyler very clearly spoke earlier, um, if you're visiting and you're trying to figure out who Safe Haven is, this is what it means to be a part of Safe Haven Church, this series. This is our identity. This is, this is our DNA. This is, this is who we are. So that's reason number one why we're doing this. And reason number two is because any person in this room... You're doing what you do will outflow from your being who you are. It's just true. What you do will naturally flow out of, of who you are. And so we're looking at who are we? Because we'll do things based on who we are. Does that make sense? Um, if it doesn't make sense, maybe just a few illustrations. Um, every plant worker in this room, that's who you are, you you, you be a plant worker. Um, but what flows out of you being in production is you produce products for people all day long. You do according to, to who you are, right? Um, our business people in this room, that's who you are. And so flowing out of that is you serve clients all week long. Your doing comes from your, your being. We've got students in here. All the students are students as who they are flowing out of that is they take tests and they study. Uh, hopefully they study and do well on those tests. Um, they, they, they do based off of their being. All of the teachers in this room, that's who you are. So you wrestle students all week long and then drink heavily on the weekend. Right? You do based off of who you be. That's, that's just what it is. And so there's a 75% chance, arbitrary number, that if you met me at Frida's, uh, I saw Brad there recently at, at lunch, and, and we're talking, he was meeting with somebody, and his first statement was, this is such and such, I forgot the guy's name, this is such and such, followed by, he works with me and has done these things. He told me what he did. We're largely identified by what we do, right? So our, our doing flows from our being, and church, it's no different no different. We will do things based off of who we are or who we be. That's why this series. We want to look at who are we? Four weeks, who are we? And then all of 2020 will flow out of that in what we do. That's why we're going through this series. So what we said last week in week number one was this. We are by nature exegetes. That's what we are at Safe Haven Church. And so we laid before you 14 reasons why we teach the way we do. That being, 
Why do we go straight through books of the Bible? Um, We'll kick off Genesis the first week of February. And if you're lucky and if I'm lucky, we'll finish it in July, maybe of 2023. But we'll go through the book of Genesis. Why do we teach that way? Why do we go through books of the Bible? We looked at that. We gave you 14 reasons why and four reasons Genesis will benefit us this year. So that was week number one. We are that, so we teach a certain way. Week number two, we are also evangelists. We're called to be evangelists as a church. And so today, I just want to give you nine reasons why we should go, why we should do based off of who we're called to be, and then 11 ways you can get on board with that. So we've labeled it some simple things like Genesis, go, give, grow, all these things. And today we hit go. Why do we go? Why should we go in 2022 as a church? And why do we leverage our time, our energy, and our efforts to go and proclaim the gospel? So that's what this is all about. So let me show you this in Scripture, and then I'll attempt to uh, churn it out or foster that still more in our hearts and minds. So let's look at this in Scripture. Where does this concept come from? 1 Peter chapter 2, 2 through 5, um, and verse 9 also says this. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. There's your identity. Verse 3. If you have indeed tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God's chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Here it is. To be a holy priesthood. Who are you? In Christ, you be a spiritual priesthood. That's who you are. Now, you may not have walked in here today and said, boy, you know what, I feel like a priest today because I'm not wearing the little thing and the stuff and the the whatever. I, I don't feel like that. Well, here's the deal. According to Scripture, if you're in Christ, you be a royal priesthood. That's who you are. That's your identity. Now, watch what it says right after that. To offer... I be a holy priesthood to do something, to offer. Again, my being, my doing, you can't separate the two. We're a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are those spiritual sacrifices? It's living a life of worship. It's proclaiming Christ in everything you say you do. Uh, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Romans 12, chapter 1, you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everywhere we go, we ooze Jesus everywhere we go. You are, so you offer. That's what the byproduct is. And he goes on to say it again, verse 9, just to kind of reiterate this point. But you are, be, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Praise the Lord, we're a holy nation. Like, I don't feel like a holy nation. Like when me and Kobe are having these conversations, I'm like, I'm not only not a holy nation, I'm just a gross person. But then I think about Christ and I celebrate with you and I think about Jesus and I think about his victory and I go, oh, I, I am. I am washed clean as white as snow. I'm these things, I'm, that's my being, a people for his own possession that you may. That you may do, you be so that you do, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So again, a gospel-centered, Bible-teaching, Bible-breathing faith family as exegetes will always become evangelists. 
It's our call. It's the, it's the byproduct. We get to be a part of the spreading of the royal priesthood. That is good news. Now we're going to talk about that just a little more as we go on this. So nine reasons why. What are nine reasons we should go and proclaim Christ's excellencies to everyone, everywhere, if we call ourselves part of the royal priesthood? Let's look at these. Number one, nine reasons why we should go. And so today is going to feel like a challenge and a call. So it's a call for you to consider individually, what does your doing look like? And it's a challenge for us as a church to go, okay, in 2020, how do we leverage that to practically go? Does that make sense? So the individual side and a corporate side. We're going to look at both of them. Number one, we should be evangelists or share the good news of Jesus because the natural byproduct of having a supreme joy is that we talk about that supreme joy. That's just a natural byproduct of any supreme joy that we have. You need proof of this? Grab your phone right now. I don't know any other preacher who would say, uh, grab your phone right now and look at Facebook. (laughs) You're usually like, I don't know, can I do this in church? Can I? You want proof of that? Grab your phone and look at Facebook, and I guarantee you one of the first things you'll see is people celebrating their supreme joys. You'll see people celebrating their kids. This is my kid. This is what my kid has done. He hit the home run. You notice we never put when the kid strikes out. (laughs) Like it's not, little Johnny struck out 10 times this week. We put the one time little Johnny got a flubber and an in-the-park home run because of errors, right? He hit the home run. We celebrate our supreme joy. You will also scroll and you'll find pictures of people's dogs, pictures of people's cats. We're at least up in the top. I'll put up, we celebrate what we love. We'll put pictures of our work. We'll put pictures of the hole-in-one. We'll put pictures of our football team or... Cuss out the other football team. or You know, we, we will, as people, it's just natural. We celebrate what we cherish and what we find joyful. If Christ is our supreme joy, we evangelize because that's the natural byproduct. It has to come out. It has to spread. It's, it just is what it is. Evangelism, I guess I could say, is the measure of the fullness of our sponge. Now, this is not a sponge. I couldn't find one. It's a magic eraser, which, can I get an amen? These things are pretty awesome. Um, So evangelism looks like this. I was talking to somebody this week at Edgar's about this very thing because when you hear the word evangelism or outreach, it seems scary. We're like, ooh, that's the scary thing where I walk up to a biker gang and tell them about Jesus. Okay, it's not that. It could be that, but it's typically not that. And and so we think about how do I invest Jesus into a conversation? We go, okay, I'm going and I'm intentionally going to talk about Jesus to somebody this week. And our hands get all sweaty. And then our heart starts beating. Like some of y'all's hearts are beating right now just by me talking about it. Anybody admit that? Okay, okay. We get all nervous and we go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about Jesus. And then we go, all right, so Jesus, if you don't help me, it's not going to work. And we, we dip a little bit of Jesus in us. And we're still kind of the same. And then we, we go to share Jesus with the person. And it's, we're nervous. And all of a sudden, boom, a little bit of Jesus comes out. And we, it's the party, man. I did it. It was awesome. Boom. And that's the fullness we feel of Jesus in that moment. And then we start flooding ourselves with a little more Jesus. And then evangelism gets a little bit easier. And it's like, okay, I talked to that person about Jesus. We were talking about divorce 
And all of a sudden, I said, Christ is sufficient. And he covers that. And here's how this works. And we embed the gospel in that. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a little more natural, doesn't it? Right? And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets even better. And we're like, man, I could talk about Jesus all day long. And we listen to Jesus. And we turn the radio on K-Love. Is K-Love a thing anymore? Did Apple Music kill K-Love? Is it still rocking and rolling? Okay, thank you, Andrew. Help me out. Uh, we, we, we study, we go to community group, we talk about Jesus, blah, blah, blah. We're filling our minds with Jesus. And then what happens? You don't have to do nothing. He just starts dripping out everywhere you go. And the more that you fall in love with him, the more he kind of... Now, Beth's having a heart attack. It's just water, Beth, on the stage. Don't worry about it. And he just kind of... He oozes everywhere we go. And that's what we're called to do. If Christ is our supreme joy and our all in all and everything, then He will just flow everywhere we go. That's why evangelism. It checks our hearts. Is He our supreme joy? Or is the Crimson Tide our supreme joy? Is He our supreme joy? Or is that new paint I put on the wall that I'll have to repaint five years? Is it my supreme joy? What is our supreme... Cause that into check. Reason number one. Reason number two. Evangelism reminds us not to make the frivolous glorious, nor glorify the frivolous. When we talk about Jesus, it reminds us not to glorify the things that really are meaningless. Which is akin to what we just talked about before. Meaning this, this place really isn't our home church. It's just not. This place is not our home. And when we talk about our future home, we're reminded still more that this place is not our home. Our last breath here, we will breathe the greatest breath we've ever breathed before in eternity. It'll be more real than the breath you're breathing right now. And so evangelism keeps our wants, our expenses, our usages, our time, energy... It keeps those things in check. John Piper, at a passion conference several years ago, told an illustration of somebody in his church who had retired. And when they retired, they moved down to Florida, where all good Christians should move when they retire. You hear that, Julie Beth? Not that I think retirement's ever a thing for me, but moved down to Florida, got them a boat, and they were talking about, hey, here's what we get to do. We're we're enjoying the, the beach, and we're enjoying the boat. And, and my wife has collected this incredible collection of seashells. So every day she heads down the, the, the ocean path and she's walking and she grabs these seashells and she's collecting them and she's got this beautiful pile of seashells. And then John Piper, or Piper as only Piper can do, <laughs> twists it. And he goes, how sad a thing. That one day, the potential to walk into eternity... And the Lord go, what did you do with the years that I gave you? And you hold out your seashells and go, I collected you a bunch of rocks. And evangelism calls us beyond that. Beyond just wasting our life on crustaceans. Beyond wasting our lives on things that will rot and decay. And evangelism says, listen, get beyond yourself and be reminded that it's not all about this. No, I'm not, those things aren't bad. Listen, I love the beach more than anybody in this room. 
Julie Beth hears me every day as it gets gloomy because I have the seasonal affective, I don't know what it's called, but I got that disorder. When it gets gloomy, my heart gets sad. It's like a mush of sadness. I got that. And so I talk about the beast and I'm like, Listen, I'm, it's not demonizing those things. The question is, do we worship those things? And evangelism goes, hey, don't worship those things. Worship Christ and proclaim Him. Evangelism brings us to that number three, four, whatever. Oh, I skipped one, didn't I? Number two, we all long to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and there's nothing bigger than redemption, which we kind of alluded to in three. So bonus today, we'll hop on to four. Four, why should we evangelize? Because the angels rejoice, the Son is glorified, and the Father delights in the reconciliation of His children. And so we as believers, we want to be a part of what the Father enjoys. If the Father enjoys people coming to Him, then man, we want to be a part of that. Um, there's an old story that goes like this. I don't know if it's true or not. The way that it was told to me growing up was it was true. So I will tell you it's true. And if it's not true, I can't tell you it'll be. It's not, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. But the story goes like this. Um, back in uh, World, War, World War II... Um, there, there was a guy who had been sent off and, and, and through the draft and, and had head off to serve the country. And as he went, right the night before he went, him and his dad had a big blowout. Um, I, they were throwing fists with one another. Not, I don't know if they were doing it like this, but they were, they were getting at it. And it caused a rift between the father and the son, again, the, the night before he left. And so he goes over and... Um, the son is tore up about this. And, and so he's told that he can send letters and they'll ship them back to the States and, and send them to his father. So day after day after day after day, he writes letters. And he's like, Dad, I'm so sorry. Um, and, and, of course, he's in foxholes and all this kind of stuff. So it's toying with his brain. Dad, I don't know if you'll ever forgive me. The dad never sends anything back. Well, the time comes where he's able to come home. And so he hops on a train. But the night before, he sent one more message. And he sent a message to the father and he said, Hey, listen, we're coming home. I'll be riding train B through the town. And we'll pass right by the family farm. And, and dad, if it's okay, if I can come home, I know that I've hurt you. I know that I've hurt mom. Um, if it's okay, if you could just take a white ribbon and if you could tie it in the tree that's in the yard and that way I'll see it. And if I see that, then I'll know it's okay to come home. And if it's not, dad, I'll just head on to the train station and, I, and I'll leave you alone. I'm so sorry. And they have this, this big ruckus. So they're riding the train. And one of his soldier buddies next to him, he says, Hey, look, I told my dad to tie a ribbon in the tree. And I can't. Like, I'm so nervous. I cannot bear to look to see if there's a ribbon in the tree. Um, I've greatly offended my father by what I did. And there's no reason he should let me come back to the house. Um, could you tell me? Just tell me yes or no. I, I don't want to look for myself. So they're driving in, and the guy hadn't said anything, and he said, is, is there a ribbon? And his buddy says, I hate to tell you, man, but there's not a ribbon in the tree. And he paused for a second. And he said, but the reason there's not a ribbon in the tree is because there are hundreds of ribbons. There's a ribbon in every tree as far as I can see. And your dad is running beside the train with a giant white sheet. 
is the same when one of us who was wayward comes home to the Father. He delights in it. He's joyful. There's nothing we could have done too far that the Father's not waving the white flag saying, Come on in! And in evangelism, we get to be a part of that. We get to be the person on the train next to the person who's going, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I've messed up too much. My life is too broken. I'm too gross. And we get to be the person going, But your Father has hung white ribbons all over the trees saying, come on home just as you are. That's the gospel. Why would we not want to be a part of that? I'm too nervous to tell you that Jesus loves you and that your Father accepts you home. Shut up! (laughs) Come on! That's why we should play a part of evangelism. We get to boast in our weakness and Christ's goodness. Now, if you go, oh, wait a second. I thought sharing the gospel was talking about how good I am. Then you don't understand the gospel. (laughs) Like you have a broken gospel. In the gospel, we get to say, I am jacked up, messed up, and Jesus is sufficient to cover all of that. That's the gospel. And so we evangelize because of that. Number five, I'll speed it up, I promise. We truly get to experience the power of God moving. In evangelism, we get to see dead people come to life. Like, there's no greater miracle than that. One of the greatest miracles, I think, would be something along the lines of, if I could truly grab a mountain and throw it into the sea, which is not what that passage is talking about, which is why you need to sit under exegesis, because that is not what that passage is talking about. But if I could literally throw a mountain into the sea, it would only ripple for maybe an hour, right? But when a dead person comes to life, that's forever. Forever saved, forever healed, forever in Christ. We get to experience the power of God genuinely doing a miracle. Number six, because all evangelism will culminate in the biggest, craziest worship service you have ever imagined in your life. Passion has nothing compared to what's going to happen when every tribe, tongue, and nation get together around the throne to sing about Jesus. Judah and the lion, sorry, Haley. They're good. Need to breathe. Pretty awesome. No comparison to what's going to happen. And so we get to be a part of that. As we evangelize, one more person is going to be in that big, giant mosh pit. There's not a mosh pit. I'm sorry, Kobe. There's not a mosh pit. There's not a mosh pit. Maybe there's a mosh pit. If there is, I'm going to ignore it. All right. We get to be in that big celebration. And how much better to be able to hold hands with someone and go, hey, we're here together because we walked through the gospel together back in 2022 in Northport, Alabama. We get to be a part of that together. That's why. So, why should we go? Because we're called to, yes. Because it's a challenge, yes. But we should go just because we can. I want you to hear that. We should share just because we can. Because, you know, there's people in countries where you can't. We can. That in and of itself is a reason enough to share. Good grief, church. All right, now, I'm going to step on this. I'm stepping on my own toes. All right, so I'm not talking to you. I haven't looked at your bank account, your finances, all that kind of stuff. All right, I'm talking to me. We'll drop 15 grand to go to Disney in a heartbeat. 
And then we hear about $2,000 to go spread the gospel in Poland, and we go, I don't know if I have money for that. Yeah, I don't know if I have time, energy, and effort for that. You know, because I've got a $5,000 worth of dog food that I have to buy every year. <laughs> so I don't know if i got energy and effort to go spread the gospel to the nations. We're warped. We're warped. And we've got to be okay with saying that. We've got to be okay with feeling that. But we can't be okay with just letting that be. That's why we go. Because we can. We live in the most blessed society in the world has ever seen. We should go share with whoever. Number seven. Because it's an act of obedience. We evangelize because it's an act of obedience. As it's been said several times, it's not the great, success, the great suggestion, but it's the great commission. It's no different than any other instruction to pray, fast, give, serve, whatever. Um, but usually when you talk about evangelism and, and sharing the gospel with other people, the rebuttal is, but I don't have that gift. Right? But I don't have that gift. That's for, that's for Billy Graham. As if Billy Graham is the only person capable of sharing Jesus with anybody in the world, right? We use that. Well, I don't, Billy Graham, I don't have that gift. Now here, let's bring that into perspective. I may get feedback. Colin, he's already getting nervous. Evangelism is a command in the exact same way that taking the communion elements is a command for the church. And I've been in ministry for 27 years full time. And not one person has ever come up to me and said, I don't know if I have the gift of communion. Not one person. It's commanded, so I do it. Evangelism is the same way. We share because it's a command. And it's not only a command, it is a privilege to share the good news of Jesus with the next person we come in contact with. That's why. Number eight, because it unleashes joy across the globe. We unlock joy every time Jesus is spoken. Where do you get that, Troy? Mark chapter 10, 29, 30. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there's not one who's left his house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time with persecutions and in the age to come in eternal life. There's immeasurable reward that follows for both the person who hears the gospel and for you. It's the greatest thing in the world to, to, to share the gospel and, and to see somebody come to Christ. It is, it's phenomenal because you just watch God do a miracle that you couldn't accomplish and there's a couple of people that right now I've got the privilege to be meeting with and, and like they're so close. <laughs> they're like asking the right questions and they're so close and it's just fun to watch. All that's awesome. But here's another benefit. When you share the gospel, don't you oddly walk away going, that feels pretty neat to be obedient to the Lord. <laughs> like you get a high. Troy just said, share the gospel so that you can get high. Right? Not in the illegal kind of way. We're not talking about the funny left-handed cigarette, wacky weed kind of way. All right? That's, but you do walk away in a very real sense after you boast in Jesus going, yes, yes, yes. Not me, but Christ. And there's a sense of joy with that. And then as we wrap it up, 
Number nine. Most importantly, we just don't have a legit excuse not to. <laughs> like you could forget everything else I said and we share the good news of Christ because we don't have an excuse not to. That's why we share. And church, I know we've just spent an hour talking about going and sharing and talking about Jesus and, and some of you are nervous as a cat that has six pit bulls surrounding it. <laughs> right? I don't know how nervous that would be, but that seems like that would be pretty nervous. I've never been a cat nor a pit bull. Okay, keep going, Troy. But what's the worst that can happen to you in American culture if you share the gospel? Somebody laugh at you, maybe. He, he, he. They're a Jesus freak. Boo-hoo. <laughs> laugh at you. They're probably already laughing at you anyway. It's the worst that can happen. Let's be a church in 2022 that covenants to go and share the gospel with at least one. As we wrap it up, I'll conclude with this. How can you express your care for the nations as a church family? This is where it gets super practical. 11 ways you can get in the game as what it means to be a covenant partner. Do you see how all this is tying together? Church members reaffirm this is what you feel called to do. New people that are thinking about affirming, this is what we're called to be. There's a heavy weight to that. We're not just interested in people filling up this room and we sucking air together and throwing a, a party together with lights. That's not the concern. Let us be tiny 12 if we may be tiny 12. Let's go. Here's ways we can get involved. Number one, study, think, talk about mission. You want to get involved? Read John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. I will say this to you. If you'll read John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life and bring me the receipt, I will pay for that book. That's my challenge. You have no... I will pay for it. Read that book. Study. Think about mission. Number two, engage um, in our missional focus each week. When we kick off Genesis, we'll go back to the missional focuses where we pray for nations. We don't just do that flippantly. Engage. Press in. And so when Nepal is flipped on the screen and India and Turkey, press in and pray and do the work of evangelism through praying together. Number three, knock the dust off of your gifts and get in the game. You can do something no one else can do and reach someone that no one else can reach. Fly your gifts. Yeah, but Troy, I haven't done that all year. Good. Here's the good thing about Christianity. You can draw a line in the sand and do tomorrow what you wish you would have done yesterday. Do it. Fly your gifts. Sing. Serve. Kids. Youth. Build things. Whatever. Get in the game. Leverage your life. Number four. How can you leverage your life? How can you leverage your social media today for the glory of the gospel? How can you leverage your home? How can you leverage your table? How can you leverage people who are in front of you? Your work, your money, all these things. How can you leverage your life for the sake of the gospel? Remember, you're not responsible for the masses. This is a big one. We're not responsible for the masses. We're just responsible for the one that Jesus puts in our way. That's it. That's who you share with. Again, we get the notion that evangelism is you walk up to the biker gang, all 50 people in the biker gang come to know Christ, and then they go tell all their buddies, and all of a sudden the bloods and crypts are no more because everybody came to Christ because that's the crazy stories we hear about evangelism. 
Here's namely how evangelism works most. Somebody's hurting around you. You sit down with them and you go, Jesus is enough. (laughs) Can you do that? Just stretch into that. And then if there's more, go there. Be the one for the one. Um, What can you do for your neighbors? What can your community groups do together? Have you led your family and your children to Christ? Good grief, start there. Have you proclaimed the gospel to your children? Verbally outspoken gospel. Have you done that? Start there. Because here's the deal. A lot of times with evangelism and our own own families, we go, well, I trust in the Spirit because you know I'm reformed and I'm a good theologian and the Spirit will draw as He will, so I'll just let the chips fall where they may. That kind of mindset usually will leave your children wayward and leave you picking the chips up. You share with your family. You share the gospel with them. How could you be involved in foreign missions? Glad you asked. We're talking about that right now. We're talking about possibly a trip to Russia and a trip to Poland. We're talking about some other things that are going on. Is God calling you to get on a plane and hop over a pond to share with someone else? Is that something He's calling you to do? What local church events will you participate in? How can you invite people to those local church events? I'm scared as all get out to invite somebody to church. Kanye West. That's an interesting change of tempo right there. In preparation this week, Kanye West, odd bird. We'll just leave it at that. Very talented. But I will say this about Kanye West. You know who he invited to go to church with him last Easter to hear the gospel? Anybody? 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 Marilyn Manson. And he went. We're freaked out about inviting John, who is just not churched, and Kanye West is bringing Marilyn Manson to Easter. You can like shut the door and just walk off right there. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have an excuse. Invite personal testimonies. Um, We are going to video this. We're going to offer this to you. Um, If you would be willing to come up to the church, we will video your personal testimony for you. We will edit it for you, and we will send it back to you so that you can send it to whoever you want to. We're offering that to the church. How awesome would it be if we got everybody in the church to film their testimony and shoot it out on Facebook, a two-minute celebration of what Jesus has done in your life? How many people would hear the gospel because of you? That's open to you. We want you to do that, all right? So you can get on your card and go, I want to share my testimony and have it video. We'll hand that to you, send it to you. We won't shoot it out. You'll shoot it out. And when you shoot it out, we'll share that sucker like nobody's business. We'll share it like a viral frog jumping into a pot. I have no idea where that came from. We will share it everywhere. Um, and we'll celebrate that. All that to say this as the band comes up. If First Peter 2, 9 is true... If you're a royal priesthood whose job is to do based on your being, namely to go and proclaim the excellencies of Christ, if that verse is true, then you are God's plan A and there is no plan B. That's how much Christ thinks of your ability to proclaim his name. Your plan A. So may God use us to draw people to salvation in Christ like we have never seen before in the year 2022. Let's pray together.
God, I know how this calling has been convicting me all week long and challenging me and motivating me and (laughs) and thankful that a guy named Wally Macaluso was willing to walk into my life and share the gospel with me. And thankful that a guy named St. Green was willing to walk into Wally's life. And so, Father, I, I just pray. I pray that as a covenant body, we'll take seriously the call to tell one, the next one, that you are sufficient to cover their sin if they will give their life your way and trust that you are sufficient and efficient. So, Father, give us spines of steel to step out of this door on mission that we won't be content coming back together just to celebrate in song, but we'll be content only when we come back to celebrate in song and also celebrate the fact that the gospel has been shared and, and it's been proclaimed that we'll see evangelism as just as much a means to worship as when we come together to sing as the deer pants for water. So God, make of us missionaries. Send our children out. As the psalmist says, that you'll fling our children out like arrows, that they would, that they, our kids would go out from this church and be sent out like arrows into their schools to share the gospel. That they'll be sent out like arrows that'll land at Kentuck Ballpark and Sipsy and Vance. And they'll just land everywhere. God, that just mission would be birthed in a new way. Make of Safe Haven that type church. For your glory. And also for other people's salvation through the work of the Son.